from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. This is the Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Here's your host, WUWM General Manager John Hess. The performing arts have a profound effect on our lives, from music to dance to theater and the big screen. At times, the performing arts can transport us from the everyday to a higher plane. A recent visit to UW-Milwaukee by alumnus and actor Willem Dafoe drove this home and he received an honorary Doctor of Arts, delivered the spring commencement address, and answered questions during a remarkable Into the Alumni Studio event. In this special edition of the Chancellor's Report, we'll share excerpts of UW-Milwaukee Chancellor Mark Money's interview with Willem Dafoe. Thank you to the Peck School of the Arts, Dean Kevin Hartman, all the people behind the scenes that have made today happen. This has been, uh, I believe, Mr. Defoe, Willem, if I may. Yes, uh, of course. This, this, has been, this has been, I believe, four to five years in the making. Um, I, I had the joy of calling Mr. Defoe some years back and uh, announcing that he's going to be honored with an honorary degree, which we are so thrilled about given his significant remarkable accomplishments in film and theater and really humanitarian efforts, a number of different things that are just holding all of us in awe, so very well deserved. But because his schedule is so busy, typically filming three or four films at different locations around the world and based in Rome, which he flew in from last night, um, let's hear it again for Mr. Defoe. Willem. So we're particularly pleased because we do have student-centric audience. Most of the folks here are, are uh, from across our campus, but especially in the Peck School. Let's start with your time at UWM. You came here from Appleton in the early 1970s. Uh, we've spent a little time. You've driven around Milwaukee a little bit. You've been on campus. Tell me about some of your memories. What, what do you recall, and, and, and uh, what were some of the highlights of your time here? <laughs> you know, the truth is, as I go around, and it's fun to be back and it's fun to see the buildings that I recognize and things that have changed and try to uh, I remember people and places and events. That's, there's a pleasure in that. But the truth is, I didn't know Milwaukee as, as well as I would have liked to because the nature of being in the theater department was very production oriented. So I found myself, and I was also working a lot of the time, that I was a student. So I didn't have a lot of free time, so I wasn't hanging out. And when I was hanging out, I was hanging out at the theater. I I remember, um, you know, I used to sleep a lot in the uh, lounge upstairs of the theater building because it was more convenient than going home because we'd work long hours and I could sleep a little bit. And I sort of enjoyed waking up at like, you know, five o'clock in the morning and usually you had to deal with a security guard that he wouldn't hassle you because you weren't supposed to sleep there. But he'd let me do it, and I'd wake up at about 5 and start uh, studying a little bit and maybe go back to sleep. <laughs> These are the things that I remember. <laughs> and then after I finished uh, the time I spent at uh, UWM in the theater department, for a little while I worked with a small company, a theater company in New, uh, in uh, Milwaukee called Theater X, which used to be uh, which until just recently still existed um, as an entity. 
Uh, so I was with them for a couple of years, and those, those are the memories uh, that I have. Um, so it was mostly pretty much based around theater productions. Uh, I was hanging out, you know, as people do with the people that you're working with. Um, I do remember Downer Avenue. I do remember the Tuxedo Bar. I remember seeing movies at the Downer, which showed really good art films in the day, um, which kind of opened my eyes to uh, a different kind of cinema than I knew before. So yeah, a flood of memories. And uh, I just arrived last night. I'm a little jet lagged, but uh, I hope in the next day uh, to wander around a little bit and cultivate some more of those memories. Terrific. Great. Thank you. So you talked about leaving um, UWM, spending time at Theater X, but you then went on um, Wooster Group in New York, and you spent a lot of time over those years on the stage, and, and then you made the transition to film. And um, so I'm curious about how you see those two genres, and how did your work in theater help with your, your work in film or back and forth? What, what are your views on those two different art forms? They're very different art forms, but uh, working in the experimental theater, which uh, Theater X was to some degree, and the Worcester Group was deeply to a degree, um, it was good training for filmmaking um, because it really taught me how to pretend. It taught me how to commit to an action. It also taught me uh, to view projects and performance holistically in the respect that uh, the technicians were as important as the actors and the actors had to keep in mind the technicians and the technicians had to keep in mind the actors and sometimes in the Wooster group where we integrated a lot of technology simple technology but technology deeply into our shows that's kind of what one of the things we became known for um, it created a kind of flexibility and uh, not to be afraid of technology, to embrace it, um, to uh, use it in a hot way, not a cold way, um, not to distance yourself from things, but to use it as a tool. So I, I think that created my love to dance with the camera, uh, to know where the camera is, to enjoy uh, the work of the technicians and work with them to help their make work, uh, their work uh, go well, because I know then that would make my work go well, because if it's not in the frame, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so actors, actors have to be collaborators, I think, deeply. And actors also have to have respect for all the things that mediate their performance. And not necessarily anticipate, but you have to, it's not about you. You're one part of this very um, complex uh, system of people's one job relying on another. And I think I learned that in the theater, because in the theater, uh, in, in the rehearsal process, you're, you're involved from point zero with the technicians. Great. Well, um, the first film I saw of you, or you were in, was probably in 1985, maybe 86, uh, That's late. Where were you before that? <laughs> I was a grad I'm student. It's not I, so late. I, I, was, I was a grad student, so my head was um, sometimes awake, sometimes busy. like you, sometimes on the cot, 
sometimes uh, you know awake and trying to stay awake. But my wife, my wife Sarah Swanson, and I uh, saw To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, in the in the campus theater, and then shortly after that, uh, Platoon. Uh, and then since then, of course, everything from, from some of the more indie arts types of things, you know, the Florida Project, and then earlier on, um, the, the Life Aquatic of Steve Zizou. Uh, more recently, last night, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty really late on this one, 20 years late, uh, seeing seen, um, Spider-Man and, and, of course, the Green Goblin. <laughs> I know everybody's, like, really late. Um, but, but truly more recently, a couple of weeks ago, Nightmare Alley, if you haven't seen that, it's terrific, great. But so, so these, these roles, if we think about The Last Temptation of Christ, we think about a number of different roles. You play in The Lighthouse. I mean, we can just keep, keep thinking about completely different roles. Um, tell me a little bit about really two things. One, how do you pick these, these roles? What, what has to work for you to, to, for you to say yes? I'll stop there. Why don't, why don't we just go with yeah, that? Okay, okay. Um, you know, that's a difficult part, choosing what, what you're going to set out to do. But I've, I find that, you know, I read a script, I ask myself, do I want to do these things? Uh, is this interesting to me? Is this going to uh, teach me something? Am I going to learn? Is this uh, so different from me that it's interesting? Is this something that I know so well that it's interesting to go deeper into it? That's one thing. But movies aren't just about screenplays. They're about people. And most important is the director to me. So a director that I can trust, I can give myself to more fully. And I'm less self-conscious, and I can be a little looser with. I can be a little freer with. So the director is very important. And I find pretty much that if I know why I do a project and the reasons are good, whatever happens to the project, I can accept. And that's important because if you take the pressure off, of course I want the movie to go well. Of course I want it to be a success. Of course I want people to like it. But at a certain point while you're making it, you have to not worry about the result. And you have to also not plan a performance too much. You can prepare, but I think the most important thing, and when I speak, I'm speaking about my experience. This isn't for all actors, but be present for the scene. Be present to receive what's there. Be present. Be ready. Be prepared, but be ready to throw everything away and and be present for what's in the room, what's happening. That I trust. So I look for opportunities where I can have that kind of situation. Terrific. And you sure immerse yourself in whatever role. It's, it's just amazing to watch you, um, both, both on film, but also here with us today live. It's, it's, it's great. Um, so this may be a hard question to, to answer. You know, I think that, that I'll give it a lousy answer. <laughs> I think, you know, in some places we see Willem Dafoe has made 100 films, over 100 films. I actually think there's, it's, it's closer to 130, 140. I mean, it's, it's significant. It's large. So looking back across that body of work, when did you know you had made it? When, when did you know that this was, this was you know, the big break, that, that, that you're, you're it? Okay. I reject the idea of making it. Ah, okay. <laughs> Humility. Humility. Uh. No, I, listen, 
I don't say that with false modesty. I mean, you can't think about that stuff because once you became, become known for something and you get positive attention for it, you tend to repeat that. So you want to dismantle that. You can't absolutely, but you, you really have to keep on going back to the beginning. And every project you have, to ha you have, and luckily, I have a defect or a, uh, or a gift that every time I start a project, I really, I can honestly say, think, how the hell do I do this? <laughs> and I welcome that. I welcome that because you always have to start over again. And once you start thinking that you have to uphold something or you have to be a certain way, that's when you die. And that's where the corruption comes in, I think. Some actors are very good at it. Some actors like to create a persona and then they use that persona in stories to, and, and, and to great effect and some of great, um, particularly the classic Hollywood cinema, is famous for that, you know? Not about, it's not about transformation, it's not even about being present, it's about being a full-bodied, uh, a full-bodied personality that walks through these stories, mm. you know? Mm. But I'm not so interested in that. I'm interested in transformation, I'm interested in adventure, I'm in, interested in learning things because for me, if I don't do that, I'll get stuck. And then I'll get bored or I'll feel, or I'll, I won't enjoy it, you know? And even though there are many pleasures and you get pampered a lot, in the end, sometimes I think when I'm, when I'm heading to, uh, you know, a set at four o'clock in the morning and everybody's asleep and it's cold and you get out of the trailer and you put on clothes that are cold and then you go and make up and it's, it's all very uncomfortable. It's not always a glamorous <laughs> life. So you better be into uh, something new happening all the time. Terrific. A lot of reinvention, but you seek it out. Ah, yeah, yeah, great. Are we enjoying this? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Terrific. So the next question is going to come from here. We've been uh, pulling from the side. I don't know sides. about you, but I'm going to have a drink. So, so uh, we're going to pull here. But before we do that, I'm going to interject a question because um, we're down into some, some pretty important issues. But I want, to, I want to come back and ask something that I, I think about from your social conscience and, and something that I know you've done. Some projects have been very impressed with uh, when you've, you've engaged in some world cafe areas, talking about some issues around, um, you know, really pretty, pretty important issues around world peace and addressing hunger and pretty, pretty large things. But let's go down a little bit and talk about the arts in education. We know today, um, particularly in America, um, education oftentimes gets short shrift budgetarily, whether it's a state budget or federally. You know, we're talking about student loan issues right now. It's a really important issue for election uh, times and so forth. But, but, but it's real easy, not just in terms of, of finding it challenging to support education at the level it needs to be, but particularly arts in education. We see this in K-12. We see this in, in colleges and, and other places where it's just really difficult. What's your view on the role and the importance of arts in society and why we should fund theater, film, music, many other areas of production, design, 
um, okay, to a greater degree. Okay, there's lots of questions there. Yeah. But, yeah. No, we, have, we have time. We've got a half hour. Just, they're just kidding. All, they're all important questions, but let me try to back in, uh, do the last part first. Why arts? Because they humanize us. They uh, remind us of our connection to each other. They connect us. They, they also allow us to think of how the world can be better. Or they can hold up, uh, they can show us where the world is going wrong. So I think it can engage us. I think every film, you know, even if it's a, a, a stupid uh, teen comedy, is a political film. Because when we watch films, we learn how to live from them. It sounds crazy, but it's really true. We learn identity, we learn sexuality, we learn politics, we learn uh, emotion, we learn relationship, we learn all kinds of things from these uh, things that are played out before us. And particularly when we used to come together in one room and watch it together, it was even more powerful. Right. Which is why we got to get back to the theater somehow. Yeah. Because. I don't, I don't want to sound like an old crank that's sentimental about the old times, but, you know, that's so important. And maybe uh, movie theaters will become, you know, it'll become a special thing like operas or something now. But it's so important be, to be in a dark room with a bunch of people watching the same thing and experiencing it. I think then you have discourse then you, you, the connection is made where with all the watching on platforms, you don't get your feet held to the fire. Not only do you not have the same uh, attention watching, but you don't have um, the people around you. Uh, and everybody's going to the, their places of comfort. They're going to their places of interest. And there's no, there's no push. There's no, there's no coming up against each other. And I think we miss that. So generally, I think the arts make us do that. They, they force us to reconsider our lives. Love it. Love it. Very, very important and wonderful perspective. Thank you. I was going to ask what's on your bucket list, but you might have already answered that. Um, so, no, seriously. We don't have no bucket list. <laughs> okay. Okay. Seriously, you've just got so many things, so many projects, and life is full already with, with what you're doing. So... Um, you know, it's about refining things. It's about, you know, everything's changing. I change. I'm older now. Um, you know, you deal with that. You deal with your body changing. You deal with how you think changing. You deal with people dying around you that you know. Um, it's, it's all, uh, the target keeps on moving. And uh, so somewhere... I feel like I, I'll stick to my guns. I like working. It gives me a lot of pleasure. It's a place that I can have a super awareness. It's a form that allows me to think sometimes better than I can even think in life in a sustained way. So um, I look forward always to being on a set. And then you just look for good situations, people that inspire you. And I want to do more of it. And it's not to reach a certain goal, it's to refine my understanding 
of what this whole thing is about, you know, and where we're going, where I'm going, and what may or may not be after. So it's, it's a constant thing. Once you embrace that, that becomes your, not obligation, but that becomes your mode to live. It becomes your way to try to be a better person and try to be useful. And that sounds a little highbrow because I do make some stupid movies sometimes. <laughs> but that's part of it too. Yeah. Because yeah. if you if you're always strain to, you know, you got to keep a little bit of a range and you got to not get stuck because if you don't, then you get a little tight and and your your vision of how things are or how things could be starts to get very narrow. Great. Great philosophy. And um, I'm going to add another question that kind of piggybacks on that, and then we'll go back to you for more questions. Today you live in Rome. I think you spend time in New York. I don't know if you're in Hollywood also in terms of somewhere in California, but you've chosen a path that's not the same. You've become one of the top 25 New York Times and others, top 25 actors of our generation. You've created a body of work that's enriched all of us. Quite short, um, quite shortly, it's, it's, it's amazing what you've done. Tell us about why you've chosen to live where you live, how you, how you, um, you know, are away from some of the things that other actors that seem to be, you know, always in Hollywood or, or things like that. Life choices like that. Um, you know, I feel like, <clears throat> of course I make choices, but not consciously. I, I shift from situation to situation, groups of people, groups of people, loves to loves, whatever. I'm in Rome because I fell in love with an Italian woman and married her. <laughs> That's one thing. That's part of it. Um, I live mostly where I work. I'm on the road a yeah. lot. I was in New York for many years, and that also was in love, because then I was in love with the director of the Wooster Group, <laughs> and that's where my theater was. Um, I'm in L.A. some, but not that much because I don't shoot that much there. Um, just for whatever reason, I think because I don't do a lot of family dramas and I don't really do TV, um, I'm not there much. Okay. Um, so it's not a plan. It's not a plan. Also, with the Wooster Group, I, we, our bread and butter was international touring. We were pretty much for many years reviled in New York, so much so that the director made the wise decision to bar critics from coming to our performances <laughs> because they'd write us about us so badly it did more damage than good. Well, then we started performing internationally, got a very good reputation, and then they wanted to write about us. Mm. And then they started writing nice things. Mm. Um, but my point being, that was a sidebar uh, uh, digression, but we toured a lot, and I like um, living different places. Um, while I'm very much, you know, still uh, that kid from Wisconsin, um, I do uh, enjoy living in different cultures. So that's, that's what has me... Uh, moving around. I mean, there was a period where I spent a lot of time in Asia, and that had a profound effect on me. Hmm. Hmm. So when you tell people you're from Wisconsin, um, when they say, where are you from, born, what, all of that, what's, what's the reaction? They say, I thought you were English. 
I think SNL put a change in that. We now know the story if you've seen the um, SNL. They're kind of surprised. Also, also, to be fair, I lived in New York for so many years, and even though I'm not a typical New York type, um, uh, I think they, because of the Worcester Group Association, and I was there for many years, and the Worcester Group became fairly well known, and I've been in some kind of New York-based movies, I think they assumed that I was a New York actor. Mm. You know, born and bred in New York. Plus, live in New York long enough, and you'll start to talk like them a little bit. <laughs> Good. So you've said, you've said a couple of times in different answers, looking forward, looking forward. I'm curious, right now, we talked before this. You don't want to look back, do we? <laughs> <laughs> True. Good point. But uh, tell me, what's in your future in terms of films? And, and, you know, right now it's a little bit of a quiet time, it sounded like, uh, but you've got several in the queue. I do. Um, I've got, like, four or five films uh, to come out, and um, I'll start working again soon. I haven't been working for a couple of months, a um, couple of three months. Um, you know, things ebb and flow. I, don't, I never try to work just to work. Um, sometimes things, there's a lot of good projects. Sometimes there's less good projects. Um, also, you balance that about all kinds of things in your personal life and all that. Uh, future looks good. Uh, you know, pandemic, you know, it's tough with movie theaters because a certain kind of movie theater is going to go, uh, movie is going to go on platforms. And movies that are challenging don't do so well on platforms because people, uh, uh, you know, you, some movies you need patience with. And there are great rewards if you can stick with them. And you probably would if you're in a movie theater. But if you're at home and you're eating and you're answering phone calls and things like that, you don't have the same kind of contact. You don't have the same kind of concentration, which is really terrible because some of those more challenging movies are, it's the laboratory and the food for the future of cinema. Because in the most commercial movie you can imagine, all of them have, have to pay some kind of thanks to, you know, uh, Stan Brackage <laughs> or David Lynch or something. You know, it all works into, um, into the cinema art. So who knows where movies are going to go? And to tell you the truth, I don't think about it too much because I get my hands full just, like I said, you know, walking from here to there and trying to inhabit these characters. Um, and I'll still do that until I get myself in a corner and there aren't things I'm interested in doing. And then I can philosophize about the future of movies. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So let me, I'm going to wrap up. I've got a few uh, closing comments. Before I do that, though, Willem, anything you'd like to share with the audience? No, I, I thank you. And this is, this is fun for me because my time here was good. It wasn't full term. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it even more generous and more open-minded and more, <laughs> more creative on your part. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, and I'm happy to come back because I, I, there's something about the feel of Milwaukee, there's something about the feel of this school uh, that I think uh, is special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, thank you.
You've been listening to The Chancellor's Report, featuring Mark Monet, Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. If you'd like more information, go to uwm.edu slash chancellor.